Well, I told you last week that we were going to be looking at handling holiday stress. Kristen Kaler uh, is, it does all of our print media, and she always does a good job, I think, of putting on the front of the bulletin, you know, kind of what goes with that morning. Does, how many of y'all, that just stresses you out just to look at that picture? See, that does it for me. And I need you to pray for me because I'm kind of going into the belly of the beast this afternoon. I'm going into the heart of stress. I'm going to do Christmas lights and watch the Redskins at the exact same time. And you could lose your mind doing both of those things. That's not safe. That's not safe. But uh, we will be uh, looking at holiday stress today. Because I knew we were going to do this, I I did some research this week and uh, looked up just on the internet, you know, different suggestions, different ways of handling holiday stress. And I've got here absolutely my favorite article of all time written in the history of mankind. Because here is a person writing something, they want to help you handle stress. And so to help you handle stress, they entitle this article, 65 Ways to Reduce Holiday Stress. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm just stressed out looking at the title. 65 things that I've got to do. Um, Now, some of them are pretty easy. Have a glass of eggnog. Okay, I can do that. That, That's simple. Okay, I'm on my way to a stress-free holiday. Um, I guess this one is for the women. Refuse to compare your appearance to her appearance. I don't know. I guess that's stressful. Uh, Stop eating before you're full. Okay, so don't drink the eggnog anymore, okay? Okay. Uh, get enough sleep to reduce holiday stress. Now, of course, that'd be a great idea if we could get enough sleep any time of year, right? And then, uh, now this one, uh, let me see how I say this here in church this morning. Uh, uh, well, just be mindful that it says this in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 7, okay? It, it says, husbands and wives should have relations, are you with me? During the holidays, that relieves stress. It's right here. Men all across the room, I love that, Pastor. <laughs> You'll find, ladies, it makes them very sensitive. Are you stressed out, honey? So, okay, uh, here's one for it right here, fits in the season. Practice gratitude. And of course, I like this because it says practice gratitude. And then the next one says, cry, scream, or punch the pillow when you need to. Okay, I'm very, very thankful for the pillow. Uh, pray often. Read the Bible. These are good. Um, now, here's, here's another good one. Uh, set attainable decorating goals to reduce holiday stress. Now, folks, right away, if I have to use the word decorating and goals in the same sentence, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm stressed out. Uh, and then maybe my favorite of all here, ensure your prescription medication is refilled. Uh, <laughs> somebody get her her pills. Um, <laughs> Oh, I tell you, you know, those are kind of fun, aren't they? I'm just on your way to a stress-free holiday. You know, there's some very practical, some very good suggestions here. Now, these things at best, though, are not going to rid you of holiday stress. At best, they're going to take the edge off. At best, they're just going to help you survive a little bit. You know, I kind of believe that holidays don't actually create stress. They intensify the stress that is already there. Think about it. If something's been wrong during this year, it's really wrong during this time of year, isn't it? 
If something's been bad, if something's been a problem all year long, it just seems to really be intensified at this time of year. So holidays don't create it, they just bring out the stress that we're already living under. And you know what? I don't think a glass of eggnog is going to make that go away. I mean, some of us have very real problems. We've got very real issues. There's been some things that have been very bad during this year. How do we deal with that? Well, as you know, I think the Scripture has an answer for everything. So turn with me this morning. We're going to see God's prescription for handling stress, holiday, or otherwise. Look with me at Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. If there's not one right in front of you, it'll be close by. You can point to it. I know somebody will hand it to you. Philippians chapter 4, get past the Gospels, Romans, Acts, Corinthians, and you'll come to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Get to Colossians, Thessalonians, you've gone too far. Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 4. It says there, Rejoice! In the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be made known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. Folks, God doesn't just have a way for us to handle stress. It's a command. You, you and I are commanded to handle stress. We are commanded to not worry, to not be anxious, to not be fearful and stressed out. That just seems like a little bit impossible, doesn't it? I mean, God, is that a fair command? Like I can keep worry from coming into my life. Like I can keep an anxious thought from entering my mind. Well, folks, the good news is you, you, you can't keep that from entering your mind. You can't keep an emotion from welling up inside you. And God doesn't hold you accountable for that. What God does hold you accountable for is what you do with that thought, is what you do with that emotion. Do you dwell on it? Do you rehearse it? Do you think on it all day long until it's consumed you, until it's affected your outlook and your attitude and the way that you're responding to people? You see, then it's a sin. That's when worry and anxiety and fear becomes a sin. God says we're not to do that. Well, how can I do that? What am I supposed to do? Okay, I, I can't keep the thought, the anxiety from entering my mind, but what am I supposed to do when it happens? Well, God gives a three-step plan here, folks, for handling. I say stress. It's a three-step plan for handling life. This is a three-step plan for living day in and day out. And the first thing that Paul says to us here is choose Jesus to be your joy. Choose Jesus to be what you're excited about. Choose Jesus to be what you're happy about. Rejoice in the Lord. That's a command. Get excited about. Get happy about. Get all up about Jesus. Let Him be your joy. That's what is to be getting us going, folks. Uh, day in and day out, we choose Jesus to be what we get happy about. Now, you say, well, how, how do you do that? Folks, this is, this is real simple. It's your choice. Just like it's your choice to think about all that is wrong. 
Just like it is your choice to think about everything that upsets you and hurts you. You choose to dwell on that. You choose to get consumed by that. You know, Groke's great producers of stress in our life are change and disappointment. You know, think about the holiday season. We're out of our normal routine. There's a change in schedule. During the holiday season, we set high expectations of gifts and people and parties and trips that we're going to take. And some of those expectations aren't going to be fulfilled. So there's a lot of change. There's a lot of disappointment. This is a time of year where we tend to look back over the past 11 months. And what do we tend to focus on? We tend to focus on, not necessarily the good, we tend to focus on where we've been disappointed, where we've been hurt, what's wrong, the changes that haven't been good. We live in a fallen world, and in a fallen world, we're going to have change and disappointment. So Paul says, don't anchor your life to people and situations and events. Anchor your life to Jesus. Let Him be your joy. Jesus says, or Romans 10, 11 says... Uh, Believe on Him and you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. Some passages say believe on Him and you will not be shamed. You're not going to end up being embarrassed. You're not going to end up thinking, oh gosh, that was a stupid thing to do. Believe on Him. He doesn't disappoint. He doesn't change. Hebrews 13.8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Paul says, anchor your life to that which does not disappoint. Anchor your life to that which does not change. Okay, well, how do I do that? Folks, I'd love to come up with a real mystical, fancy way to do this. You think, man, it's kind of hard, but I can do it. No, it's not. It's just real simple. You just choose to. You just wake up in the morning and you choose to let Jesus be your joy. You choose to sit there on the edge of your bed and you think about who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, what He has provided for you, and you just sit there and you think on that. The same way, instead of choosing to think about what is wrong, you choose to think about what you have in Him. Man, you know what? In Christ, I've been forgiven. Gosh, what does that mean to yesterday? Man, yesterday I did that and... I did that, man, to think I've been forgiven. That's gone. I don't have to live with that guilt. I don't have to live with that burden. I've been forgiven in Christ. In Christ, I'm a child of God. In Christ, I'm loved. In Christ, I'm accepted. In Christ, I have a friend. In Christ, I have somebody who's going to walk with me through this day. And boy, Lord, I'm going to need you there, and I'm going to need you there, and I'm going to need you there, and I'm going to sit there, and I'm going to think on, and I'm going to dwell on not what is wrong, but what is right in Christ. Now, folks, let me tell you what I'm not talking about here. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. Positive thinking is trash. That won't get you anywhere. We live in a fallen world. There's a lot to be very discouraged by in this world. There's a lot to be very hurt by in this world. I'm not talking about just, just sit there and squeeze and think until there's a smiley face on everything. No, I'm talking about the power of truth thinking. This is the truth that I dwell on. Yes, there are things in my life that have changed. Yes, there are things in my life that have disappointed. But here are some things that have not changed. Here are some things that have not disappointed. And they're in Christ. And I'm going to choose to get my energy and my mind focused on that instead of those other things. You choose Jesus to be your joy. That's our homework assignment for the next five days. Okay? Five days. Let's try this. Let's see if it works. Before we do it, in the first three minutes we're awake, we're going to sit there and we're going to think on what we have in Christ. Now, you know what, folks? A lot of say, well, you know what? I've done that. No, you haven't. 
If you've done it, here's what you've done. You've spent 30 seconds trying to be thankful for something you have in God and then you spend the next 30 days thinking about everything that is wrong. You know, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, the 30 seconds isn't going to outweigh the 30 days. You know, what I'm trying to do is to bring up the level of time I spend thinking on what I have in God, what I have in Christ versus what I've lost in this world. All right? So the next five days, we're going to sit there. We're going to think on what we have in Christ until it begins to affect our outlook, until it begins to affect our attitude. Second thing that Paul says here is we're going to let graciousness be our character. Some of you have been with family this past week. You've already messed up on this. So we're going to just say right now, God, I'm sorry I did not respond graciously. I did not respond gently. I like this passage. Let your graciousness, and here's the hard part, not just as God saying be gracious, if that's not almost impossible. He says, so that everybody can tell. Oh my gosh, why do I need to do that? Yeah, that's right, folks. Everybody at school, everybody at work, everybody in your neighborhood, everybody in your family, everybody you know should see how hard you're working at being gracious and gentle in your response. That word gracious or, or gentle means to, to forbear, to endure. Here's my favorite translation word, to put up with. Man, that's the holidays, isn't it? We're going to put up with. And God is saying it is to be clear to everybody you know that you are putting up with, that you are blessing and serving who? Everybody. Yeah, the, the, the family member that's nuts, the, the, the friend, uh, the stranger, the people at work, all of them, with everybody, you're choosing gentleness. Folks, this is so practical because our response to those people stresses us out because we get all churned up, we get angry, we start lashing out, we sin in our response to people and it becomes very, very stressful. Choose gentleness. Oh, you know what? I, I tried that once and you know what? They took advantage of me. Oh, I tried that once and they, did, they didn't appreciate it. They didn't acknowledge it. You know what? I did that last Thanksgiving. It didn't change Thanksgiving at all. Yeah, folks, if people are going to be your motivation for doing this, it's going to be difficult. And that's why, watch what Paul does here. That's why he sandwiches this command. Look what he puts on each side of it. On the one side, he puts that Jesus is my joy. And on the other side of it, he puts, Jesus is coming back. So here's this command. I am to be gentle. I am to be gracious in how I respond to everybody. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, on the one, I'm going to get my mind so filled with what I have in Christ that I'm going to get my mind off myself and on to others. It's not going to be about what I'm getting back or what's changing or what they're doing. I'm going to be so filled with what I have in Christ, it's going to be easier to put my mind on others. And yes, they may disappoint. Yes, they may not do what they're supposed to do. But guess what? God's coming back. And if he comes back today, you know what? I'm going to be found doing what he's told me to do. And that is to be gracious. And that is to be gentle. And as for that ding dong, well, you know what? When God gets back, look at the way you're acting. Hey, you know what? Think about that. If they're being a super jerk, you ought to pray, God, come back right now. Because this is going to make me look good. I mean, you want these people. They're going to make you look better, right? You know, look what he sandwiches. Man, I've got everything in Christ and he's coming back. I'm going to be rewarded. That's going to be dealt with. I'm going to leave it in God's hands. 
Okay, these are the things we're thinking about when we, it is difficult, very hard, but when we choose to be gracious with those for whom it's easy and with those for whom it's not so much. And then the third thing Paul says in this passage is let prayer be your plan. Let prayer be your plan. You, you do. Go home, Google holiday stress. There are a billion articles out there on holiday stress. And most of them are going to talk about having a plan. Have a, got to have a plan for how much money you're going to spend. Got to have a plan for what parties you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. Have a plan for how you're going to deal with that family member. You know who they are? We all got one, don't we? You know, when you get to dinner, when you get to that house, how you're going to deal with that person. Have a plan. And of course, what they don't tell you is what to do when your plan doesn't work. Or when your plan makes things worse. Anybody had a plan that made things worse? You know, that's stressful. You know, God has a very simple plan. Pray. Now, you know what? All, yeah, I've heard that. You know, pray. I'm going to say the same thing I said earlier about finding our joy in Christ. Yeah, you've prayed. You prayed for 30 seconds. And then you went out for 30 days and you manipulated and you contrived and you sinned and you got involved and you got even and you developed your own plan completely in and of yourself. You see, folks, there's no comparison there. Prayer is our plan. It's not a little thing we do before we get a running start into how we're going to handle life. Prayer is how we live. Paul says, and again, I think these are credible commands, almost seemingly impossible. Do not be anxious. I wonder how many of us have committed that sin just in the last couple days. Do not. It didn't say don't try. You try not to be anxious. Boy, you know what? You'll feel a lot better if you work at this. No, it's a command from your God. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not be fearful. Do not be fretful. And you think, well, you know, okay. You mean, Lord, right. You mean the small stuff, right? You know, don't sweat the small stuff. No, he means the big stuff, too. Well, I mean, Lord, surely it's okay for me to kind of get tied up knots about, about my marriage or, or about my finances or about my job. I mean, those are big things. I can get stressed. I can get worried about those, can I, God? No, you can't. Well, well why not? You ever ask God, why not? Yeah, you know, Jesus explains that. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, this is tough, folks. Jesus says, you're not to worry about the things of this world. You know why? Because when you do, you look like a pagan. Did you ever know Jesus called you a pagan? When you're running around fretful and anxious and upset and all churned up and you rehearse it over and over in your mind and you live it and you think on it, Jesus says, you look like a pagan. What's a pagan? A pagan is somebody who doesn't have a God. They have no God, they have no hope, they have no answer. They don't have anybody working in their world for their well-being and their benefit. Now folks, is that true for us? Then how awful is that that you and I go to work and we live out our worry. We're all stressed and we churn up everybody around us. We go to our family, we go to our friends and it's, oh, oh, this is horrible, this is bad. And we live it and we live it and we live it. And maybe the clearest testimony we have in our lives is there's no God. There's no God, there's no answer, there's no hope. Do you ever think about maybe the way you're living is saying that? That's why God says, don't do that. You don't have a right to do that. I haven't left you without a hope. I haven't left you without an answer. Don't act that way. You look like a pagan. 
what am I supposed to do, Lord? Pray! Paul uses three words for prayer here. I don't think he uses three words because there's three different kinds of prayer or three different ways to pray. I think it's just for emphasis. He's saying, man, when that emotion of anxiety wells up, when those thoughts of fear come in, pray, pray, pray. Go to God. Talk to God. Seek God. Work it out with God. Pray. Try praying as much as you spend worrying. And when you do, do it with a spirit of thankfulness. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful for what I'm worried about, what I'm scared. No, just be thankful. Folks, Thanksgiving is a step of faith. It is a step of faith to say, God, you know what? I don't know how you're going to answer this. I don't know how you're going to resolve it. I'm going to be honest with you, the Lord, right now, I feel like you're not answering or resolving anything. Right now, I can't see where you're speaking or working or doing anything. But God, I know from your word that you are here. I know that you are working. I know that you are in control. I know that you care about my well-being. I know that you hear my prayers. And so, God, before I even see the answer, I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do. I'm going to thank you for how you're going to show yourself in this, what you're going to provide for me, what you're going to enable for me in this. I give you thanks. Is that the way we pray? Pray with thanksgiving. And then the Bible says that when you do, you're going to have peace. You're going to have peace. That word means a cessation of hostilities. It means the war's over. I'm at peace. It's a, it's a feeling of well-being. It's a state of rest. Everything is okay. As a matter of fact, what Paul says here, that what that phrase means is it's a peace you don't even understand. You know, people will look at you and say, man, you should be pulling your hair out. You should be going nuts right now. How can you be so calm? You say, yeah, I don't know. You, you may look at yourself in the mirror and say, I should be pulling my hair out right now. I should be going nuts. But I'm, I'm okay. The situation hasn't changed. Everything's not fixed, but I'm, I'm okay. You know what this piece is, folks? It's a settled conviction that God is in control and God is at work and God cares about me. And right now, that's enough. You know, this is where we start wanting God even more than we want the answer. See, that in itself is a big part of our problem, isn't it? Because we want the answer more than we want God. We just see God as a way to get the answer that we want. Peace. Now, folks, watch this. I'm about to stumble across something really huge here. Because when, what this peace does is it guards. Do you see that phrase? It guards our heart and our mind. That word guard is not a warm, fuzzy word. It's a military word. It's a picture of soldiers encircling. It's a picture of soldiers putting up a barricade. The soldiers in our life are joy, gentleness, and prayer. These soldiers will encircle, they will encamp around your heart and mind and protect you from attacks against Satan in the world. They will protect you emotionally and mentally. And how many of us would like some emotional and mental stability, some emotional and mental well-being? Folks, God's told us exactly how to have it. There is nothing difficult about what I've said this morning. Nothing! God has made it very available. Choose Jesus to be what you get excited about. Be gracious in your response to others and pray. 
pray. And when you're doing these things, they will become a, a, a tribe of warriors protecting your life. They'll give you emotional. They'll give you mental well-being. Folks, don't you think that just possibly it just breaks the heart of God when he looks down here and he sees that he has provided the answer. He's provided everything that we need and we still run around acting like pagans. We still run around acting like there's no hope, there's no answer. I prayed once. I prayed on the way to the car. He's not talking about an event. Ah, today for 30 seconds I chose Jesus to be my joy. Oh, with that, that, that one person, I was gracious. I, I prayed. The, but these are lifestyles. Now, they're simple to do. The hard part is disciplining ourselves to do them. And not just to do them as an event, but to do them as a life. This is my life. My life is happiness and joy in Christ. My life is working at a gentle and gracious response to everyone so, so that everybody can see my life is one of continual and constant prayer. Folks, when those three things are happening, your emotional and well, mental well-being is going to be just fine. Now, I've got an addendum to my message. You know what an addendum is, don't you? That's when the guy finishes the book and then he forgot something. You know, gosh, how do you write 200 pages and then you've got to have an addendum. You've got to put something at the end. This is an add-on. This is something I should have put back in chapter 13. Well, I've got an addendum to my sermon this morning. You see, the stress comes from two places. It comes from the world and all that's in the world. What's in the world? People, money, jobs, situations, events, circumstances, change, disappointment. There's, there's that kind of stress that comes in my life. Then there's another kind of stress, and that's the stress I cause by my own sin. God does not have for you a peace, a state of well-being when your stress is the result of your own sin. That would be the most unloving thing God could do for you. The most unloving, the most unkind thing He could do is give you a state, a, a, a sense that everything is okay when you're sinning because sin destroys you. Sin destroys others. So, so he's not going to give you everything I've talked about this morning. If your stress is the result of your sin, then none of this works for you. So see, when I'm feeling this stress, I've got to stop and I've got to ask myself, where's this stress coming from? Is my sin pitching? Sin is very stressful. It is stressful to lie and to keep up with the lie. It, it, is, it is stressful to be sarcastic and demeaning. It's stressful when you're bringing the anger, when you're ramping up the emotion in that relationship, in that house. You see, folks, when we say, I trust in the Lord, that's not just a verbal statement. That's a verbal statement communicating how I live. To say I trust in the Lord means I trust in His way. So when it comes to my finances, I live in His way in my finances. When it comes to people I don't like, I live in His way. And God's got a lot to say in the Bible about people we don't like, doesn't it? It has a lot to say about how I respond to enemies, how I deal with enemies. I'm going to live in God's way with my enemies. I trust God with my good relationships. Well, God's got a lot to say about how we live in those relationships, doesn't He? See, to say I trust Him means I live in His way in that situation. 
So if I'm not living in his way, then the statement I trust him means nothing. Zero. And if I'm not living in his way, guess what? It's going to be stressful. God doesn't give us his word as hoops to jump through. He gives us his word because it's good. He gives us his word because it tells us, hey, man, you want to make your money work? You want to make your life work? You want to make your relationships work? You want things to be like they're supposed to be? Walk in this way. Now, we do live in a fallen world, don't we? And we can be doing what we're supposed to do, but that doesn't mean people in situations will do what they're supposed to do. And for that, God says, just remember, your happiness is in me. Not that person, not that situation. Let graciousness be your choice. And you know what? Let's just sit down and talk about it. Pray. And there will be peace. All the time. Let's pray.